Happy Christmas to all! And to all, a good night! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> that guy, man, is screaming. <laughs> what is that? Welcome to the Pony Stevenson Show. Episode 9! Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night! Number 9. This is the Christmas season. So before you go out and chop down a perfectly good tree and kill it, we have a little bit of Christmas uh, nostalgia here. I have in my possession a copy of The Night Before Christmas Read Along Classics by Troll Associates from, well, it's copyright 1970, but obviously I didn't have this in 1970. It's, this is from uh, sometime during the 1980s. You know, you, you buy the book, you get the cassette tape, the, the, you know, the music plays, you turn the page, it reads the book for you, totally and completely ruining the process of teaching the child to read now. Just have the tape read it for you. That's, that's wonderful. But anyway, this tape has the most drunken, idiotic reading I've ever heard in my life. Right? Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> What's interesting is that the tape is supposed to be used for children. Yeah. And it is just psychotic. Yes. I'm going to play the end of it when Santa Claus is doing his final uh, whatever there. I keep putting the wrong side in. <laughs> I hate cassettes. Yeah, it's been a while. His courses, they came, and he whistled and shouted... And call them by name. No dancer, no dancer, no dancer <laughs> and fiction. On Comet, on Cupid, on Dunder and Blitzen. Is he screaming? Did the they get that guy? To the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. <laughs> screaming. <laughs> dash away all. It's the hobo. <laughs> had a broad face and a little round belly. Oh, this thing is so homoerotic. He laughed like a bowl full of jelly. Oh, jelly, the cause. Jello gelatin. I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight. Any Happy day. Christmas to all! And to all, a good night! <laughs> it's like the Tim Allen Santa Claus. Let's hear that again. Happy oh. Christmas to all! And to all, a good night! <laughs> yeah! That guy, man, is screaming. I don't know. I just remember that we played that. We were allowed to bring in cassette tapes. This was in the third grade. And we brought that, I brought that one in. And the teacher was fine with this drunken and the other drunken psychopath as Santa Claus. <laughs> but yet when you brought in the Pink Floyd tape, she just, she, that just, that broke her back. No, yeah. no Pink Floyd. That was the <laughs> devil music. <laughs>
So what else do you got? Oh. Oh, back to the real world. <laughs> Our favorite skank. The official skank of the Paunch Stevenson show. Britney Spears? No. Christian Slater? No. Oh. Courtney Love! Ah, Courtney Love. What's she up to? Co yeah, well, uh, she's completely broke and has decided to sell her rights to her ex-husband, uh, uh, Kurt Cobain's uh, rights to the Nirvana uh, songs for $100 million. How is she completely broke? She has her own songs. Uh, she pays like $9 million a week for drugs. Oh, uh, yeah. I wonder what their daughter is up to. What Francis she, Bean? Yeah, what is she, like 12 years L. old L.L. Bean? Yeah. So anyway, so uh, so what else? Oh, Michael J. Fox apparently yeah. wants to do a fourth Back to the Future. Doc! <laughs> Doc! Mark Floyd! Right. Is it hot? Hot pot, tiny one, chicken watch! Anyway, so Michael J. Uh, J. Floyd... Uh, I was about to say Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> Can you imagine him in Back to the Future? You have... So you're going to have another guy play him from 1984 there. A black guy, of course. And then have the, today's Michael Jackson as the Tim alien. Tim Meadows. <laughs> Tim Meadows. Yeah. <laughs> no, Tim Meadows was like the white Michael Jackson. <laughs> I don't remember who the heck was, he was the black OJ. Michael Jackson. Tim yeah, Meadows that's was right. OJ. He was. <laughs> it was OJ. The worst OJ impersonation I've ever seen. <laughs> Second to, to, to Norm MacDonald's impersonation of Barry Sheck. So, what about Michael J. Fox? Well, he wants to do a fourth film, but he says he'll only do it if he gets to play like a Doc Brown character. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know how the heck this guy can even act anymore. I thought what he about, was like too ailing from know, the Parkinson's. Parkinson's. I know. What about Teen Wolf 3? No. I would like to see a new Back to the Future. I like Michael J. Fox. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, wait a minute. Let's see if I have this sound effect. 1.21 gigawatts! That was, that was like the first ever file that I downloaded from AOL. Oh, yeah. Or maybe at that time it was like CompuServe. When you first got on the internet... Well, it was supposed... Think to, of the possibilities! It was supposed to be gigawatts, but he mispronounced it gigawatts, but they just... Yes. But, you know, back then, it was like, who knew about that kind of stuff? Gigawatts! <laughs> Alright, what else do you got? Anything? Anything good? Um, wait a minute. Ah, more audio, and I promise this to the fans, to the listeners. Yeah. The George Takei Christian Slater cameo uh, in Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country. And uh, here it comes. It might be a little bit crazy because I couldn't get all the noise to hum out of there, but here we go. If I drop that wire one more time. I'm sorry to wake you, sir. What is it? Starfleet urgently requests any data we have on the whereabouts of Enterprise. A what? Well, apparently, they're refusing to acknowledge signal to return to space dock, sir. Signal Starfleet that we have no idea location Enterprise. Sir? You have hearing problems, mister. No, sir. There you go. Yeah. There you go. 
George Takei. Do you have a hearing problem, <laughs> sir? No, you I see, do George not. Ta- George Takei looks like he's dead <laughs> in the scene when they open the, the door. And there's Christian Slater. Hey, Captain Kirk, where is he? We don't know. <laughs> you have a hearing problem, mister? Mister? And Christian Slater's like, I just need a couple of drinks, some binoculars, and I'm in that bed, baby. Alright, well, I live in Brooklyn, New York City. Never tell the people where you live. There could be stalkers. I don't think anybody's listening. <laughs> well, uh, Tuesday, December 20th, 2005, um, very early in the morning. I'd say maybe 3 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. There was a public transportation strike. Most of the people rely on public transportation. Yeah, a lot of people have cars, but the majority either ride the subway or the bus or whatever. And everyone, all the transit workers just decided, hey, we're going to go on strike. So the subways weren't running, the buses weren't running, and people were just... I mean, seven million, over seven million people had no way to get to and from work had no way to go shopping, go to the doctor, anything. I mean, how, how are you supposed to get around? It was like, you know, 30 degrees out Fahrenheit, it's below freezing, people are, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, well, one of our friends, Jim, had some things to say about the, he he lives in New York City. Is that the Jim? The Jim. The Wood in 2008 had this to say. These people on strike make more money than cops and have better benefits. Uh, they should be fired and replaced by scabs. They want more money, so what do they do? They cost the city millions in revenue because no shoppers can get around. Where is the money they are demanding going to come from? Well, duh, not the city, because they are responsible for messing up the entire Christmas economy. They cost the city over $100 million over the three-day strike, and now they want to negotiate for more money. Money that we could have given them if we had made Christmas revenue. Now the strike is over, and they have accomplished nothing except for angering all of New York City and costing us millions. Blah, 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 blah. So he's, he was annoyed and upset by that. I was annoyed and upset. Uh, another person, Dawn, had some things to say. For those of you who might be feeling sympathetic to these transit workers on strike, I would like to tell you a thing or two about how horrible their jobs really are. And she's being sarcastic. Uh, My friend is a New York City bus operator. He made $72,000 this year and and was placed on salary cap last year because his salary exceeded $80,000. Not bad for someone who didn't finish high school. He has often. Bra- what am I doing? He has often working every day. I should be driving a freaking bus. Well, a lot of overtime. Yep. They say they are fighting for the new hires, but I don't think so. These workers abuse the new hires on a daily basis, and they use their seniority to do so. They bump them off of the more desirable routes with more hours, and any extra work like overtime they gobble up for themselves. Yeah, what a wonderful union that is, protecting the new hires. The base salary for MTA jobs is currently $47,000 a year. All right, so you know what this means. Hang on. 
that horrendous sound effect means it's the get rich quick of the show. Here we go. Get rich quick. Drive a bus. Get a job with the MTA. You'll make a lot of money. Very frustrated New Yorkers this week. <clears throat> yeah, but the, the, they got fined for it. But you know what this means? The way they could have, everybody could have avoided this problem. All they needed was that top hat that Inspector Gadget has. Yes. Y- you know the thing, it, and it comes out. The little handles come out, and the helicopter yes. propeller comes up. Go, go, Gadget, and he flies yeah. up into the air, and you get to work. Go, go, Gadget, copter. Go, go, Gadget. Well, here, but well, here's the thing. The reason why the strike was illegal, just real quick. This is part of the New York State Public Employees Fair Employment Act, the Taylor Law. Prohibits strikes by public employees. So not only was the the local union fined $1 million per day of the strike, each individual worker was fined two days' pay for each day that they were on strike. You hit them where it hurts. Yep. On Thursday, December 22nd, I was killing time in Manhattan, and I saw the movie King Kong, this big new movie that came out about a week and a half ago, and uh, when I bought the ticket, I asked the lady how long the movie is, and she said three hours and seven minutes, and I was like, okay, wow, that's pretty long. (laughs) Three hours? And seven minutes for King Kong. Ah, and seven minutes. And uh, so, yeah, okay, you know, I, I have a lot of time to kill, waiting for the subways to come back in service, and uh, all right, fine. So, uh, you know, the, the movie was okay. First of all, it was just ridiculously long. This, this director, Peter Jackson, he did the three Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, this man is in dire need of an editor. <laughs> he just doesn't edit. He just, the, these scenes, like, the, the the characters are being chased by dinosaurs. It'll go on for twenty minutes. King Kong. But that's what. That's one of the things I couldn't understand was why were there dinosaurs in in I don't, King well, Kong? They were on Skull Island, this like um, uncharted island, and and what it was like this prehistoric primitive island. I, I don't know, but everything that happens in this movie just goes on for like twenty minutes. King Kong comes out of the jungle. It's like this big 20-minute shot of him. You know, he finds the woman. It's like this 20-minute shot of him playing with the woman. I'm like, just these scenes don't need to be this long. Just edit. You know, cut it down to like a couple minutes each scene. That's fine. What if they had the scene and all that extra time there was taken up by a musical number? Which involves the dinosaurs and the giant ape singing and dancing. No. Um, and then they pull a pocket knife on each other, and they gather into two sides, and they <laughs> dance in no. you know in perfect symmetry, no. stabbing each other with the pocket knife. Or, if King Kong, before he finds the woman, <laughs> if he finds a hobo on the island, <laughs> starts playing with the hobo. The hobo. And, you know, there there can be a, a little brief musical number with that. Take it away. Jimmy Crack Corn, and I don't care! <laughs> yeah. Do you have na- new neighbors? You know, you moved in somewhere new. To- 
<laughs> and they're like sitting there and they hear somebody screaming this. <laughs> they hear me screaming this every week. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the movie was okay. It could have used some editing and the acting I felt was a little maybe stiff or uh, I don't know. I like Jack Black. He's he's funny. <laughs> he's funny. Jack Jack Black was, was in that movie. He was the star. <laughs> and I, look, I like him. He was really good in School of Rock. He's funny. I just don't feel like he really fit in the, uh, uh, he was playing the role of Carl Denham, D-E-N-H-A-M. He's like the, the big, like, corrupt movie producer. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll go to this island. We'll shoot the movie. It'll be great. We'll make a million. You know, he's like. Well, this, this is supposed to take place in, like, the 20s, right? It, were there any gangsters? No gangsters, but ah, I know. Curtains, you see, it's curtains for you, you dirty rat, you, you dirty ape. So the Paul Stevenson show gives King Kong, eh, I'd say a six point oh out of ten. All right, one little website I want to do uh, point out. Um, Ellis Island. You know uh, Ellis Island, uh, Rob? Is that where Miss Ellis is from? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's Kentucky. <laughs> yes, I know Ellis Island. So, um, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, so Ellis Island where many immigrants came in from like 1880 through like 1930 or something. <laughs> and it's a museum now, whatever. So, you know, all my ancestors came in through there, you know, like a hundred years ago or whatever. I I assume yours too. So if you go to their website, ellisisland.org, and your ancestors came through there, you can actually, for free, search through there. It's pretty cool. You know, you you search through, you put, if you know your ancestors' name, and you can find the actual uh, scanned copies of the manifests of the ships that they came in, and this, that, and the other thing, and it's it's quite, quite, quite interesting. I'm doing a search right now. You're, live you're gonna on be, the air. You're going to be there forever. You can't just look something up live on the air. Well, there, there's nothing. So, so, you know, I looked them all up, and it turns out that my uh, grand on my father's side, my grandfather's father, my great grandfather, was the first to come to the country, and it's the anniversary this year, December the eighth, nineteen o five, that he came in uh, from Naples. Wow, 100 years. 100 years, I have a stake in this country. And <laughs> if you ask me, if you gave me a little dough, I'd take that boat right back over to the old country. <laughs> where I can live, do no work, <laughs> go to sleep at 1 in the afternoon after eating a ton of food, and that's it. Nice. They got it made over there. They have it made. Well, um... So anyway, you, you can look it up there. It's it's a good site if if you had somebody that came came through there, and uh, and one hundredth anniversary of me. All right, now you remember in the one of the previous episodes, you we talked repeatedly about Ted dancing. And how he done himself up with the politically incorrect blackface at the Friars roast for Whoopi Goldberg, and he made a big stink, and everybody hated Ted Danson for it. And he looked ridiculous. 
Yeah, that was um. Oh God, was that episode? Who cares episode what number seven? Is. Yeah, and we put the we put the picture on the Hall of Fame, and it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have another case of Ted dancing look like an idiot. Okay. It's in this movie called Creep Show, and this was a movie directed by George C. Romero. You know, Night of the Living Dead. It was written by Stephen King. It was not a very good Stephen King thing. It was a TV movie. Yeah, yeah. And in one of the bits on it, it was about it was him and Leslie Nielsen, and Leslie Nielsen is an old guy. He's got a wife, and Ted Danson uh, has an affair with this guy's wife, and this guy goes nuts. So he buries the wife in sand during the night. And when the tide comes in in the morning, she drowns. The water goes over her head. Mm-hmm. So then he does the same thing to Ted Danson. And it's like one of these great movies. He's like, you got to hold your breath. you got to hold your breath. And Ted Danson's there. And they show the scene where he's, he's like dying. And as he's drowning to death, <laughs> this red aura comes out of him. And he starts screaming. Now, go to the link, Rob, right now. We'll put the link on the message board or something. But we'll put the picture <laughs> <What is this? laughs> up. <laughs> That's the screenshot. <laughs> so, why is he glowing red? Because he was glowing with anger. That's anger. That's stupid. He was furious. Oh man! This, I mean, look this, at the shape of this, this guy. This. Between the black face and this, <laughs> how does he have a career? <laughs> So Ted Danson, after this, comes back from the dead with the girl, and they come, and they take Leslie Nielsen, they put him in the sand, and at the end, they show him screaming, I can hold my breath for a long, long time. That sounds, and he that dies. sounds like a really horrible movie. But the picture is just hilarious. Look at this. <laughs> so what? His hair is like all standing up. Should that go in the hall Supposed to be in the too? water. Glowing red. What? Did that go in the Hall of Lame also? Of course! Two, right, two Ted put it right along, right along the blackface. All right. That's, oh my god, I mean, he looks like a turnip! <laughs> As you all know, we have a uh, new bit, which is uh, to look up on deadoraliveinfo.com if a celebrity or a non-celebrity or whatever is actually dead or not that we think might be dead. So, Rava, who is this week's? Uh, we have an old actor. Let's see. He starred in a uh, classic sci-fi movie, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and, of course, uh, 1989, the Weird Al Yankovic movie, UHF. He played, um, uh, what was the guy's name? He was also in uh, Inner Space. Inner Space in the 80s. Short. Yeah, Martin Short. Um, yeah. God, I can't think of the, the guy's name in UHF. We can't be beaten! By an a UHF station, this is a network. I will not be beaten by a UHF station. A UHF station. So his name is Kevin McCarthy, and he was born February fifteenth, nineteen fourteen. And uh, let's see, let's see if he's still. Is he alive. dead? Let's see. He is alive. Wow. 91. He is still alive. Find the ancestor of this guy. To all, and to all, a good night. Yeah. 